something has happened to me within the past few weeks recently, (laughs) whenever this airs, (laughs) (laughs) something has happened to me recently um, in my evolution where I've had to start praying and like meditating about like my why again. Hey, I'm Kimberlyn. And I'm Dara. And we are In Process. I realized that from a young age, I've always wanted to be, um, I was always career goal oriented. I was always like successful, success oriented. I knew I was going to, um, kind of like you, I wanted to be famous in my field. I didn't want to be famous. I wanted to be rich, but (laughs) I didn't want, I wanted to be the one that like people in the know, know. like, I don't want, (laughs) I didn't want general population to know. (laughs) Like, I just like, if you know, you know, if you don't, you know, (laughs) I was fine with like I want to be like the person you call I'm the plug um from a young from a young age but um so all my life I was career oriented success oriented like all of those things even when I started um learning realizing that I could sing classically I was classically trained like I realized how much all of that was tied to me wanting love and acceptance um I remember my dad, when I was a kid, my dad always thought I was going to be an actor. So when I was a child, he made me memorize uh, lines from commercials. My dad wanted to be an actor. So he was like, well, my daughter's going to be an actor. Um, when we discovered that I could sing, it made my mom really, really happy. So I pursued it because she was, I felt like she was proud of me when I did that, which led me down a road, a path where I was singing classically and I was st- studying opera Um, but I realized to a certain point it was because it made other people happy when I did that. Um, and with a Christian background, um, you know, when you're talking about purpose and things like that, sometimes you can conflate the two, right? Like I'm doing this because it's my purpose versus I'm doing this because it make people love me when I do it and it makes me feel good. And I wasn't able to separate that. Um, and as I grew up and got into romantic relationships, um, my, I realized my success was tied to that person's acceptance of me um, because I had these big career goals that I was checking off. And the better I did, the more love and acceptance that I felt like I would have. So all of my life was um, a chase towards acceptance. And I had these big goals to be successful and all these things. Um, but as of late, you know, um, I've gotten into this space, into this um relationship with myself where I've loved and accept, where I've learned to love and accept myself, mind, body, spirit, which has been a long journey, but also I've embarked in a relationship with another person who loves me exactly how I am. Like they love me as I am right now and they love the potential of what I can become and they love me in this space. And you don't really, you rarely find another person that says, I love you as long as, even if you don't do another thing, but I also love where we can go and I'm going to love you in the middle. And the only other person that I can think of, the only other entity that I can think of that loves like that is God. And so to find somebody who is a direct reflection of God's love for me has been a really amazing feeling, 
But it also made me realize that so many of us are striving for love. The reason why we want to be millionaires, the reason why we want to change the world, the reason why we want to be executives, the reason reason why we want to be entrepreneurs, the reason why we want to get these promotions and drive these cars and get these things is for approval, acceptance, and love. Yeah, you are full circle in us. And it's it's like now that I have that, now what? I have no motivation to do the things that I'm called to do. So one of the, so what I've been praying for and asking for is like, God, show me my why. Now that I've achieved this acceptance of myself, now that I feel your acceptance and love for me, now that I have a partner who loves me unconditionally, doesn't have me striving for love, I can't, why not just sit here? You have given me so many paths I want to walk down right now. But I want to start with that ending, which is, if you feel like you've achieved what sounds like an ultimate, which is self-love, self-acceptance, then really you've gotten to the place of being rather mm. than doing. Mm. And your whole life, you and me, have been programmed to be doers, to be achievers, to check the boxes, to accomplish, to get the titles, to get the status, the stature, the accolades, all of it. And we did it like good little soldiers until we f***ing hated it. Language. Mm, sorry. And then you and I began to go, I think, on separate journeys because we didn't even know each other at the time of what does success mean to us? What does it mean if it's not about the constant perpetual chasing and doing and fallacy of when blank happens, I will finally feel love, happiness, fulfillment, all the things that we're all striving for. So going back to what you said earlier about classical trained musician to being a perfectionist you mentioned earlier, to me, these are all connected. Perfection, I think, is how we often feel that we can control love, but really I think it's a shield for love because there is a a knowing that we have, whether consciously or subconsciously, that perfection is impossible. So in that striving for it, we're in this perpetual hamster wheel of the striving. And this is a lesson that I learned a couple of months ago where this idea of like, you know, American culture, we both live in the U.S., is embodied on this like constitutional foundation of the pursuit of happiness is a human right. When you look at it as that grounding and the way that it is stated, the pursuit of means where's the end? Like how do you just be in the state of happiness instead of in the pursuit of this thing that seems out in front of me? And I think you know from your spiritual background, I know from the way that I have you know, studied world religions in school and practiced many of them and have come to this more universalistic spiritual place for myself, is that when we're in the pursuit of something, we are no longer in the present. And that the only thing that exists is the present. This is not new information. None of this is. But it's hopefully an important reminder to both of us and to anyone listening that when we take ourselves out of present moment, the only thing that we truly have and we place happiness or the thing we are aiming towards outside of ourselves in a different point in time, we're not here anymore. And this is where there's an interesting balance, I think, between having goals and wanting to grow, because I do think that those are important. And I do think that our thoughts become our reality. And so if we're only thinking about, you know, well, certainly for thinking about the past, that's not helping us a lot. But if we're only in the present moment, then there's the question of responsibility and other things that need to happen. So I think there's a balance. I always think that there's a balance. Yes, almost. (laughs) Almost there. I'll land the plane. It's that how do we both be in the present moment and find that contentedness? To me, I've also begun to embrace that a state of contentedness to me is also happiness. Mm -hmm. 
that when I look at happiness as that euphoric state or that joy state, that that is fleeting. It's like anything that you can't have black without white. And so I'd almost rather live in that centered state of feeling content and at peace and in the bliss of that, knowing that there will be moments of euphoria and joy and happiness in the way that I think is often the way we think of it when it's a little more like on the way you look at hedonism and the way you feel as a result of that, whether or not that's the conduit to get you to that place. But all this to say that when we move down the pursuit of anything, we're always in the activity of chasing. And so whether it's the perfectionist thing where we know we're never going to really get there, so I'm never going to feel fulfilled or satisfied or content or happy or at peace, or it's pleasing someone else, I'm never going to get there. There's always going to be more and more and more. And so when you say that you're finally in this place of self-love and contentedness and all this other stuff that is so incredible, I mean, first of all, congratulations. That is absolutely epic. To be praying for your purpose now, I kind of wonder, and who am I to tell you, but I kind of wonder how this lands with you. Is the purpose to just be in the acceptance of you've gotten yourself to this place? Yeah, so much there. I think um, <laughs> that's actually something I had, I talked to myself about, thought about this morning is like, I am actually living in the overflow. Um, and it's a very strange place to be in, especially for somebody like me, who I think I'd say for the last 10 to 15 years, I've been fighting um, and striving towards whatever the goal was, whether it was love or acceptance or abundance or success, like whether it was personal or career, family oriented, I've been striving for um, better days. I feel like I've been fighting for a long time, whether it's mentally or, you know, um, practically, physically. Um, and I think that it is a very uncomfortable feeling for me right now to be, to have arrived um, at that place because you think, you know, people tell you it's a long, it's a long, lifelong journey, which I don't disagree with, but like, I've gotten to where I've been working towards and that's the important part. So everything else that comes is like a candle on the birthday cake. It's not the cake itself. Um, and so going back to what you were saying about how do you live in the present and also, you know, work towards whatever, a couple of things. Um, I have come to realize that when you're in the present, when you're present, what you do now in the moment actively prepares you for next. And we don't know that enough. Like, I think humans are so, we're so silly as humans. Like we try to like plan and we try to project and we try to like create goals in the future, but we don't know what's going to happen minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. The pandemic has taught us that like the last two, two or three years have taught us we don't Control know what it is. We don't know what's next. And so I think we plan and we plot and we, you know, scheme and all those things because we're taught we're supposed to. And that's what makes us responsible. To calm our reptilian brain, make I, it feel safe. Exactly. And I even talked to my mom about this where um, we had a conversation a couple of years ago and she realized, and it was interesting to hear her say it was like, she ha she accepted and she had been of the mindset, like, if you're worried, then that makes you responsible. Not being worried makes you irresponsible, which is something I didn't realize that I inherited. Um, and so I have become 
And it's something, it's a daily exercise that I have to remind myself is like, Kim, what you're doing right now is preparing you for the future. And I can look back over my life everything that I've done has set me up for this moment right now where I'm on the couch with you. And so my goal, my, um, what I need to work on is staying present. I, as a visionary, as someone who's a huge dreamer, like the present is behind me. Like, why are we talking about the present? Like I'm into the next five, 10 years right now. Um, but I think being in the present is what grounds us and what keeps us here. And what I've learned is, um, that a lot of people have been taught, a lot of people don't live in the present for several reasons. The main reason is, is because in order to be present, we have to be in the body. And we've been taught that our bodies are not safe for one reason or the other, whether it's because you experienced abuse, uh, physical, mental, emotional abuse, um, or whether you just had some really hard times, like, you know, we're always thinking like, oh, it won't last that long. So think happy thoughts, think happy thoughts that always cause us to leave our bodies. We're never in our bodies. And not only have we been taught that our bodies are not safe, but particularly women have been taught to be have enmity with their bodies and to constantly scrutinize what our bodies look like. So if we're so focused on what our bodies look like and we're so focused on changing what our bodies look like, we're not paying attention to how our bodies feel in the moment and being present with that. We're that's where all of our intuition is. And so we've been caused, we've been taught as women, as a society to be at odds with our body as opposed to being connected. And that's where presence is. Presence is in the body. Yeah, I was talking to a client today who was saying that the more anxiety and depression she experienced, the less she could connect with her intuition and her gut instinct because she couldn't discern between the two. And she began to distrust her body and that inner knowing that she had had as her guide for so long because she didn't know how to believe what feelings and what thoughts were fact versus fiction. And you, know, you and I have talked about this before, but we have thousands and thousands of thoughts a day and they are not all facts or truth. And ultimately we become like our realities become the amalgamation of the thoughts that we have. Um, I want to go back to something that you were talking about earlier with like, you're sort of, you didn't use this word, but it's almost like you're at this stasis point after so much climbing and climbing and the visual that came to my head was summiting a mountain. So let's just use Everest as the example that as you're summiting, you can't just go up and up and up and up and up. You have to stop at base camps and you have to acclimate and you have to get oriented to that existence because you've never been there before. You've never been at that altitude. You've never pushed your mind, body, spirit, soul to that place. And often well, actually, I think always you have to have guides taking you there too, because they've done it and you haven't. So whether that guide is our inner guidance, whether that's coaches, mentors, your personal board of advisors of your friends and family that you want to bring in as the people that you allow to quote, bring you up the summit of the mountain, allow yourself that time to rest, to calibrate, to take in that atmosphere and to be there and even celebrate all of the hiking that you did to get to that point in the first place. So right now I'm seeing that you are at one of these base camps and you have more base camps to go, but your job right now is to be at base camp. Mm, that's good. And, and, it, and it makes so much sense. I see that same vision. Um, it's funny because you use this in a different way, but this morning um, I said to myself, I don't recognize myself, but in the best way. Right. And I had to say like, that's okay. And I, I do have these, as you know, these constant growth spurts where I'm like, 
I don't know who this person is. And a lot of times when I have these growth spurts, um, I'm afraid because it's like getting new armor or getting a new like toy or weapon. It's like, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know. Like the technology set up for this podcast. Exactly. An hour to figure out. Exactly. I don't know how this works. I don't know what these buttons do. I'm sorry. Anything could happen. And I think like that speaks to like the base camps and like, just chill out. Like we're new here. We're exploring. Um, kind of like a video game, like every level is like, I don't know what this does, but you just figure it out and you go along with it. Yeah. My partner in my group coaching program, Kate, she always says new level, new devil. And it's so true. It's like, you don't know what you don't know. You haven't been there. So gather all your resources, like allow the counsel that you need to come in and then tap back into yourself and let yourself just be there. Cause I think this comes exactly back to that conversation of striving that, if we're just like, nope, got to get to the summit, got to get to the summit, got to get to the summit, you're going to kill yourself literally and figuratively in that process if we're using this Everest metaphor. So how do we just be where we are knowing that that's okay? And to your exact point, allowing everything that the nowness is creating for you to be the thing that opens up the doors energetically, spiritually, physically, otherwise, to what's coming next down the path for you and not forcing it. Cause this is what I got so good at. And by good, I mean like really it's not a great thing was strong arming and bulldozing my way through everything. Cause I was like, Oh, I want this thing. I'm just going to pile drive my way to it. And I'm going to use my insane amount of persistence and everything else I've got working in my favor to just make it happen by force. I did it in dating. I did it in my businesses and in my career before that. I did it everywhere because I could, but it wasn't fruitful. It wasn't fulfilling. Things were often out of alignment because I totally missed the cues and the signals that were coming my way telling me, nope, nope, don't need to do that. Nope, nope. You are definitely like manufacturing this and forcing it as opposed to trusting and letting it unfold. And I think a visual that came to me many years ago that I have stuck with for so long because it gave me this representation of what I was doing the wrong way was the current. If I am flowing with the current, if I'm moving with the way that life is showing up for me, not going against the current, swimming upstream, causing resistance, you know, white knuckling myself onto the rocks and trying to hold on to get myself there, things click. And they work. And I can hear the cues and the signals and I can see the doors that open and I can see the pathway. I can see, you know, I can't remember the the cliche of this, but something along the lines of like, you're stranded on an island and you're like, God, send me a boat. And you see this like dolphin come to the shore and it wants to swim you out and you see, I don't know, some sort of other mechanism that shows up or you see a plane land on the island. You're like, God, where is the damn boat? And God's like, come on. And God, in whatever sense you think of it, what are you talking about? I've sent you 17 other things. Just get on one of them. And you're like, oh, I was so single-mindedly focused on this one thing, which is exactly what I did my whole life. I just white-knuckled and bulldozed my way through everything. And from the outside, everyone's like, wow, you know, you sold your business. You grew into 38 states with your other business. You got all these awards. You do all these cool things. And I was like, I am miserable. Like, I'm not enjoying any of it. I'm burning out. My adrenals are spent. I don't do anything I say I value because all I am focused on is the execution of this thing. I just sat up right because I was like really feeling this. (laughs) 
And it just wasn't worth it. And the second I was like, okay, I don't have to go from one end of the extreme to the other. How do I micro experiment my way to see if this other school of thought around being in flow, going with the way that things are showing up, trusting, allowing, not resisting, not attaching. What clever ideologies. If I just experiment and try, what happens? And through those micro experiments, I began to see why have I been making this so complicated? Why have I been expending so much energy for absolutely no good reason? Now I can use my energy where it is actually meant to be. I can rest, restore, recover because I have the time and spaciousness and because I trust that when I slow down, when I close things down, I'm not missing out. I'm not losing an opportunity that what's for me can't miss me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love um, this idea of being where you are. And I think that's something that I needed to hear today (laughs) is like, be where you are um, because it all adds up. And I can definitely relate to the force and white knuckling. Like I did that, like all of my twenties, you know, my first career out of school was in the music industry. So that's all hustle grind. You don't sleep, you don't eat, like you just go straight through. And I think that that served me during those years, but that does not serve me now. And as I'm transitioning into my entrepreneurial space, I'm trying to find my identity in that 20 year old version of me, that 25 year old version of me. And I can't summon that um, because that's one, that's not who I am. That's not even who I was. And during that time, like I was miserable. I was exhausted. I had, I had a lot of heavy depression. I had heavy anxiety. Um, and things looked great from the outside, but I was a shell of myself. And so I don't even know why I'd want to summon that version of myself because who's in total conflict with the entire value system of what you're building in the first place around wellness continue. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I'm, you know, I want to hearken back to that get done. And, you know, even though my mom's working style was just very an executor and, Um, I'm moving into the space that you're talking about, which I wonder if it's the same, it's in the same spirit as liminal space where we're not, you know, too far to the left or too far to the right, but we're right in the middle. And that requires the most discipline that requires the most discernment that requires the most presence, um, and trust and faith and trust because it's easy to like hustle and run and like just run fast, break things and hide there. Yeah, to me, that is what I call like the junk food of progress or it's like positive procrastination because you're checking off all the boxes, you feel good, you're getting done, you're in the mix of what everyone's celebrating as culturally the way to show up and hustle and do it. But really what you're doing is avoiding that inner reflection to say like, am I just filling my plate because I'm avoiding something? Am I filling my plate because I'm hiding from the fear like we were talking about? Because if I slow down, I have to actually look at what's going on. And be with myself. Right. And do I like that person? So I'm just going to keep on running. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of In Process. If you learned anything, had any major takeaways, or have a topic you'd love for us to discuss in a future episode, please reach out. It would mean so much to hear from you. If you enjoy this and you want to keep hearing, please subscribe, like, and review our show. Until next time.